This is the Ezra podcast. This is an MMA edition of the podcast. Um, the reason I say that is because some of y'all don't, you can't watch both. Like, you can't listen to both. Like, if I put boxing, you know, it, would it be easier for me? I don't know. I have a good system doing the MMA and a boxing one. But if I put them together, for some reason, that just don't go with you guys. And, and people literally have DM me like, I refuse to listen to this. I refuse to listen if there's MMA on a boxing one. I refuse to listen to boxing if there's uh, refuse to listen to MMA one if there's boxing on it. I refuse to listen to boxing if there's MMA on it. So I decided to separate it. Okay, I, I I can't tell the people what they want, right? They tell me what they want, and I just adjust at that point. So we are here to talk about the an, another free fight this weekend. UFC's the third free fight of the week. Uh, fight third third. Weekend with free fights, I guess. Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins. Um, interesting fight, especially with Aspinall uh, winning uh, um, last week and entering the top 10 in a big way. Chris Dawkins is uh, borderline top 10. Chris Blades is top 10. Curtis Blades, you know, is he the best guy now? He's right there. Like if Derek Lewis hadn't knocked him out cold, he's you know the the he's right there for like the best guy that probably can't win the title, right? He's just not ever seemed to able ever uh seems like he can ever, never get over the hump to get to the title uh picture. Let me take out these headphones. I feel like that's throwing me off. For some reason I'm stumbling when I'm talking. I'm just gonna blame the headphones for it. And Chris Dawkins, who also was uh stopped by uh Derek Lewis recently, is a guy that um He's just entering top 10 and kind of wants to prove that the Derek Lewis thing was just a bump in the road, but he's going to get back to winning ways. And he's not, he doesn't have an easy fight in front of him, but this would be a really big moment for him, a real big statement that he could make that if he could beat Curtis Blades, who is, you know, a threat to anyone and only loses to really the best guys. That, that's what this fight could get very interesting, right? As far as like what, what the ramifications could be of this. Because Curtis Blades win this, he's suddenly he wins this fight. He's suddenly six, uh, sixteen and three. Uh, losses only coming from Nagano twice, and Derek Lewis like that. No one could be mad at him for losing those fights. He would have wins over Mark Hunt, Alistair Overeem, uh, Junior Dos Santos, and Volkov and Rosenstrike. And now Christakis. Like, this is, he's building, like, a, 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 a pretty good resume, right? Like, say if you put those names on there. Now, of course, Junior Dos Santos is older. Overeem's older. But still, like, let's just say you put them on there, put their age on there. But it's still a decent resume that he's putting on. He's also been in the UFC for how many fights now? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 fights he's been in the UFC. With only three losses and f- to two fighters. And one being the best the best heavyweight in the world. It might be the best UFC heavyweight champion of all time. And a Derek Lewis. So, like, you know, I feel like Curtis Blades maybe doesn't get the respect. Like, the respect, like, say, Don Cerrone, right? It was, like, highly respected in the UFC. And, like, would never, ever beat, like, a top guy. Right? Never. Like, resume is nowhere going to live up to, like, what Curtis Blades could put up on his resume. Because for some reason, Curtis Blades doesn't get that respect. Now, Chris Dawkins, who, like I said, it was it was on a on a good run until he ran into uh, Derek Lewis. He was on in the UFC. He was a uh, one. He was one, two, three, four. He was a five, uh, four fight win streak in the UFC, and then he ran to Derek Lewis and got KO'd, and that happens, you know, to the best of them. Now I do say that uh, Chris Dawkins is mainly like a boxer. 
right? He's mainly, and I don't mean like high level boxer, but I'm just saying like he's mainly going to use his hands, basically, what I'm saying, in a fight. And it's going to be usually at close range. Now, he is uh, more athletic than what you would like. It. If you saw him, you wouldn't assume that he was athletic, but he's kind of lying on his feet. He's got some speed to his hands. He does need to fight like at a close distance, though. And against Curtis Blades, who wants to land a takedown, and it need in as whatever trouble he's ever had is because he has a hard time covering range, right? For the takedown, Chris Talk is kind of gonna give it to him. So it's kind of like what Chris Talk needs to do is kind of like what Curtis Blades wants to be. So that that's a a a, a big negative towards uh, Dawkins. He's also very undersized. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, with Curtis Blades being around two fifty six, two six, two hundred sixty pounds. He, also, the range, like I said, where he needs to strike is very close, which um, Curtis Blades is not the best strike. He's very uncomfortable when he's striking, actually, and has very bad timing, actually, and doesn't understand range. He's not. It's funny because when you watch him at first, you're like, oh, this guy, you know, he's got all the tools. And he's not. He, he could fake being a good striker, but he's not a good striker. He does have a heavy right hand, and he's very good size. So if he lands that right hand, he could hurt you. And, he, and Chris Talk is going to give him some opportunities to land that right hand. But what I imagine happens in this fight is that Dawkins doesn't keep the range because he's not going to be able to win like that because he can't get offense like, like that. And he's going to try to get on the inside. And if he lands one or two, he might stay. he's probably going to stay in there too long. And Blaze is going to land a double leg on him. And once he gets a double leg, I believe this fight's over. So what does you know, Dawkins need to do to win this fight? He needs to keep range. And he needs to, to, sw- he needs to keep a good uh, long-distance range, right? He needs to find offense at that point. But when he gets on the inside, it has to do it by mistiming when he's going to jump in, right? Because he can't allow Blades to time him for that takedown. And he can't get greedy. When he gets on the inside, land a shot or two, get out. Because you know Blades is going to look for the heavy right hand, which your defense kind of falls apart when you're striking. Or he's going to look for a double leg. So you need to not let him be able to time that. So he's going to be rocking a thin, uh, a tightrope this whole fight to pull this fight off. But I don't think he's going to do it. I'm going to take Curtis Blades in this fight. I think his right heavy right hand is going to be a factor. And I think that him landing the takedown in the close range is going to be a factor. I'm going to take him to get a, a stoppage in this fight on the ground in the second round. Now, where's Curtis Blades go from here? Aspinall is a very interesting uh, opponent for him. Anyone, like really anyone in the top 10. But he, he um, even uh, Gon would be an ex- interesting opponent for him. Uh, he's right there in the conversation with all those guys, especially if Nagano leaves. Like I said, in the heavyweight division right now, it's very interesting because Nagano's might be on his way out, the champ, and the guy that really no one could beat. He might go away, go away, and this whole heavyweight division might be wide open uh, yet again. So Curtis Blades, uh, you know, the one guy that doesn't seem like he can beat, right? He's already lost to it twice. Might be leaving the division, and he's have a, a bunch of whole new interesting matchups and maybe favorable ones to him because it seemed like Derek Lewis. Might be on his way out of the top five, right? It might be. It might be the time where Derek Lewis starts taking that dip, and he don't have to worry about the two heavy hitters anymore in this division. In the co-main event, and I'm surprised this is the co-main event over the next fight I'm going to talk about. But uh, Joanna Wood versus uh, Alexa Grasso, and let me I'll pull this up. <clears throat> The ESPN does a good job with, like, um, the UFC schedule and, like, the card and everything like that. I mean, I'm sure the UFC has input on it. But uh, he just gives you all the information you really need. And Joanna Wood, who, you know, I think has always struggled, like, at the, against the top level 
a competition. Alexa Grasso, who's uh, entering the top level competition, her biggest win probably being uh, Macy Barber at this uh, at this point. But she, it was a, a fight that she was not favored in. Macy Barber was supposed to be like the next big thing, and she and she and she put it on Macy Barber. She really uh, was a, it was a clear and decisive victory. And she seems like she's really coming into her own. And Joanne Wood, who surprisingly, right, Joanne Wood's age is like, I want to say 37. She's 36 years old, right? So she's not, you know, she's coming to more towards the end of her career. When Alexa Grosso is probably just like entering her prime. And Alexa Grosso is just coming into her own, her confidence in her game. And I think Joanne Wood is definitely, you're seeing diminishments in her game. And the flaws are just kind of standing out a lot more. And I think everything that she's going to want to do in this fight, Alexa Grosso is going to be better. Like if she's going to want to strike and she's so stiff and kind of doesn't have like the best placement of her head or um, defense when she's striking or, you know, she kind of just fights like she's fighting a punching bag, right? She strikes like if nothing's coming back, but Alexa Grosso is going to come back. Like a big left hook's going to come back. Uh, big right hand. Also, Joanne Wood could be pushed against the fence because her stance. She's so tall, right? She, I mean, she fights so tall. Like, not that she's so tall, but she fights tall. And she doesn't really get in position to where she can have leverage when someone comes in on her. And she's easily pushed against the fence. Alexa Grosso will take that all day and rough you up against that fence. Now, Joanna Wood has good knees in, in some good knees in a clinch, right? So that often that that's going to need to be there to maybe make Alexa Grasso pay for that. She's also going to need to work, you know, as keeping her distance and making her pay Alexa Grasso when she's in that distance. But I just can't see Joanna Wood winning this fight. I think Grasso is, you know, is going to make her move now in a, at least to try to get into like a title picture. And this will be, a, you know, they have a co-main event for a reason. I think this is going to be a, a a really big statement for her as far as maybe not because the person she beat, but just like the position she's in with the co-main event, uh, you know, on ESPN. I think that uh, Lex Grosso is going to look good with some devastating shots in the hands. I think she's going to get the stoppage in this fight. I'm going to say a uh, third round stoppage of Joanna Wood and just punishment against the fence, right? Big left hook, big right hand. And uh, Joanna Wood is, you know, I, wouldn't be surprised it's probably one of the last times we see her in the UFC. Um, just because she's going to be on a three-fight losing streak. She's going to be 37 soon. And I think that this Alex Cross is going to show that she's levels above her. And at the the top of this weight division, Joanna was just not that level. I think Alex Cross will win this fight. I think that two or three more fights. She should be entering the title picture. Especially in you know, these weight divisions where they're always looking. You know, not the... Um, most death in the weight division. Um, and they're always looking for new challengers uh, at this weight class. So uh, I could see Lex Grosso um, soon, I, I honestly, pretty soon, fighting for the title. And I think this is fight is going to get people really excited on what she could become. So this is the fight that I'm surprised is not the coming event. But, I, I mean, the more I look at Lex Grosso, you know, maybe just like building up, uh, you know, a marketable fighter to fight for the title at that division. Maybe that makes sense, but this is a division that's having a hard time finding a marketable uh, contender for the belt. That's why the champ and the that's why uh, Vigoredo and Moreno are fighting like five times. Right, this is going to fight their fourth time, third time in a row. Um, so, and so this is the fight to me. We'll settle who's the number one contender. After these guys settle, finally settle their beef, and this is uh, Askar Askar uh, Askarov versus 
Kai Kara France. And Kai Kara France is coming off a big win over Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Garbrandt. <laughs> Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt. And, uh, you know, this will be, the, to me, this is the fight that sets up the next challenger for the belt. Now, Ascar has been improving and has already fought Moreno and he fought him to a draw. But I think he's he's a lot better fighter now, especially like in the stand-up portion of the fight. And I think that he's very good timing. Now he knows his place is shy. He's very calm in the stand-up. Now, Kai Carl France, I think makes a lot of mistakes, especially when he gets pushed back. But when he's allowed to set uh, set his feet, you know, he's kind of predictable this striking. Like he just throws kind of throws a one-two. Uh, his kicks are a little bit more dynamic, I would say. But uh, he does make a lot of flaws. I, he does. And I, w- I really picked uh, Garbrandt to beat him. But you always know with Garbrandt that, you know, his chin isn't going to hold up. And it, it didn't in that fight. And he really didn't look at the level of uh, Carl France that night. So I was wrong that about that performance. But on this fight, I, ch- I have a hard time seeing uh, Carl winning this fight. Like, if even if it's a stand-up fight, which he could be very competitive in. And, you know, show more, maybe more ability of Asgard, like as far as what he can do. But I think Asgard's basics, right? Like just his basic one, two, his basic right hand, his basic heavy jab. Um, you know, he even will switch stance once in a while. I think that that is going to uh, really take effect as this fight goes on. I think that Asgard is a little more durable, too. So I think the Kai Car France. well, keeping this fight standing would be, you know, obviously the, I think the best decision for him. And I think that's the best chance of winning. I still think that he might come up second in that. And I think that if Ascar can hurt him and get him down to the ground, that it, this fight's pretty much over, in my opinion. So I'm going to take Ascar in this fight. I'm taking him to win this fight. I think that him versus uh, Moreno is a very, uh, very, very inter- interesting fight. Let me see. Uh, I just want to see one thing real quick. I want to see who uh, Ascar has beat. Since the draw of Moreno. So then he went to beat uh, Tim Elliott, Pantoja, and Benavides. And he's only had, you know, four fights in the UFC. The first one being a draw of Moreno. And Kai Carl Francis, look at, let's look at what he's done. He beat Cody, uh, Cody Garbrandt. Bontorin. He lost to Roy Val. Beat Nam and lost to uh, Moreno. So Roy Val and Moreno, um, those are those those aren't bad losses because they're two like contenders. But you know he beat Garbrandt, who you know would kind of put him on the map. This would be like the fight to like solidify him as you know a legit contender to the belt. I just I, I don't see that level for him. And I think that uh, Askar, who I picked beginning of the year to finish with the title. In, the, in this weight class. And a lot of people you know, had some pushback from that. But I think this performance is really going to show you that this guy is very dangerous. Especially because his ground. And I think his stand-up has gotten a lot better. And I think we're going to see that in this fight. Uh, I did want to end this in with some news and notes. We have uh, <laughs> Jorge Masvidal was arrested for cheap shotting. Uh, Cody, uh, not Cody Garbrandt. Um, Kobe Covington at a bar or a restaurant. And it's just stupid. You know, I mean, it, uh, he, I know it's like so simple to say, like, you know, you had your chance in the cage or, you know, should have did it then. It's like a dumb joke and dumb, you know, easy synopsis, I guess, of what's going on. Um, but, it, I mean, it's true, though. It, it really is. And it's like, uh, 
you know, what did you gain from this? And now that you're going to have, you know, you're arrested, you have the bond and, and I mean, bail and, uh, court fees and, you know, probation. Like what, what is gained from this? I, I don't get it. I don't get what's gained from this. Now I get that, uh, Covington, you know, oversteps the line and I know there's a lot of people that'd be like, yeah, hey, you know, there are a lot of people out there that you can't really do that with, right? That's not just, doesn't just end it at the, you know, at the cage, or it doesn't just end in the ring, and you can go further than that, and that's kind of the situation here, but to me, like, Masvidal, it's like, Masvidal, you make millions of dollars to fight, now, um, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying he's paid correctly, or whatever it is, but I'm just saying you get paid million dollars to fight, some things you, you gotta just let go, you know, you, you guys had your, you guys had the fight, it's over, you know, whether you want to continue your career, or, you know, you think you can get back on the winning ways to, you know, work your way back up to like a top, uh, top of the rankings at welterweight or a title shot. I just, this right here just seems like a waste of time. And it just seems like, um, seems cheap. And I just don't, I, I don't, I don't see what you gain from it, from doing this. Now, uh, maybe Kobe rethink some of the things, you know, he said, but that's just, you know, it's him playing a character and him being an idiot. You know what I mean? And things like this will come, but I just think that for Masvidal, I don't know really what he gained. Okay, he lands two shots on Kobe, but everything that's going to come after this is just, to me, is just not worth it to have in your life. I, just, I don't I don't think it's worth it, honestly. I don't think, like, him sitting in a jail cell right now, it's like, oh, yeah, but I need to do that. It just, that sometimes those things are just done, and maybe that was how, you know, how you grew up or, you know, how you used to handle things, but that's, you got to show some growth, right? You don't want to be doing the same things. You're 20 when you're 40 and that's Masvidal's, you know, about 40 years old. You can't be doing the same things. There has to be, you know, you have to handle things differently. You have to see things differently, right? You have to know that you had done a journey in your life and there's new things going on and a new thought process. I just kind of feel like maybe Masvidal hasn't grown too much from, also that when he was like 20 years old. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra Podcast.